You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. Georgia. All right. Well, we got a good little group here. I'm going to go ahead and get started while you guys are checking in with where you're at. Get my introduction out of the way. If you're new to my ministry, my name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. All my books are available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Oh, we got Korea. We got Massachusetts. We got Oxnard, Ohio. Check out my books if you get some time. If you've read any of my books, I would greatly appreciate a review. Simply go back to Amazon, leave a review. We got Maryland, Baltimore, Maryland. We got Turkey. I also have a podcast. The name of my podcast is Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. I'm currently recording the latest episode. I record them on Instagram Live. We got Idaho. If you're listening to the podcast in Connecticut, where you're at there, Meridia, pause the podcast. If you get some time in a safe place and leave a review, Georgia. All right, what else? I'm also on YouTube. If you want to watch on YouTube or if you are watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and give me a thumbs up. And if you want to be notified every time there's a new Walk Talk released, hit the notification bell. I'm not a pastor. I'm a regular person just like you. The word pastor is only used once in the New Testament, and it's in Ephesians chapter 4. There is no list of qualifications, no list of authority. And this position was created by one person by the name of Ignatius of Antioch, around 180. And there is nothing in scripture which leads us to believe any individual with a title has any type of authority over anyone else. So that is a foundation of my ministry is I want to help you understand you lack nothing. You don't have to put all of your confidence into an individual person. When we see the body of Christ described in the only detailed section of scripture, it's in 1 Corinthians 14. And what do we see? We see no pastor leading anything. We see no stage. We see nothing that we see today. We just see a bunch of people getting together, sharing, singing, and Paul says, do it with order. So that is ultimately what the gatherings are supposed to look like. They're not supposed to be led by an individual. All right. (laughs) So am I telling you to stop going to church? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you're free and I'm saying that's not in scripture. Am I telling you to disrespect somebody with the title of pastor? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that is simply tradition of men that has been passed down. Okay. If you want to contact me, oh, before I say that, I also don't know everything. So I never want you to watch anything on YouTube, anything on Instagram, read any of my memes, read my books, whatever, my TikToks, my reels. I never want you to think Matt knows everything. I got to go to Matt for every single answer. I don't want that from you. I'm just like you. I'm learning and growing. Here's what I do know. I know Jesus. What's the foundation of Jesus? You're completely forgiven because of the cross. You're completely righteous because of the resurrection. Okay, that's all we truly need to know. And then from there on out, we are all learning and growing and maturing. Okay, so you can watch my videos, listen to my podcast, pressure free, because I'm just like you. We, I'm not on a higher level. 
You're not on a lower level. We're equal. Okay? So we are a body. I'm the hand. You're the arm. So on and so forth. We work together. Nobody is greater or less than. All right. Okay. So also, if you want to contact me, I always welcome your interaction. To do so, all you have to do is go to my website, go over to the contact page, and I'll be glad to interact with you there. Now, if I don't answer your message, it's because you're messaging me, you're emailing me too often. Um, I do have healthy boundaries set up that establish I'm not going to reply all the time to an individual who is looking to me for every single answer. And if it even comes to it, I might have to block you. I don't want to block you. <laughs> but take a clue. If I don't answer you, if I have answered you, and then I don't answer you for a little while, take that as a clue. Matt's taking a break from our interaction. Reach out to me in the future, okay? Also on social media, if you continue to message me, and I continue to ignore it, but you continue to message me, I'm going to block you. I'm sorry, but I have no room for that in my life. <laughs> There's way too many people who are looking for help, who are looking for somebody to point them to Jesus. I don't want to argue with you. I'm not interested in that. I've gone down that path and I have no room for that in my life. Okay. And it's not going to be like the first thing that I do. Don't worry. But just remember, don't message me on social media. That's that button is set up for personal relationships. Email me. I even have an email button on my Instagram profile. You can just go to my website. And if you want to email me direct directly, my email address is Matt. That's M A T T at Matt McMillan with an E N dot com. Matt at Matt McMillan dot com. Okay. Reach out, but don't abuse it. Reach out, but don't look to me as the know-it-all. I've actually been there where I've seen one individual person as knowing absolutely everything <laughs> and they can never do anything wrong, never say anything wrong, and I got to go to them for every single answer. I woke up one day and I thought to myself, this is kind of like a cult. Why do I have to look to this individual who I've never heard say, you know what, I might be wrong. You know what? I'll think about that. You know what? You might have a point. No, it is just a professor of everything about the Bible. I, I don't want to be that for you. Okay? So that's why I say that. That I don't know everything. I don't want to be known for knowing everything. So when you contact me, I'm just going to share with you what I know so far. How about that? How about we're all learning? We're all growing. And we don't want to be so caught up in what we know that we miss out on life in the spirit, which is not knowing some stuff, which is making some mistakes, which is looking back at some of the stuff you've said or wrote in the past and said, eh, that might not be completely correct. I've done that. <laughs> Sometimes I still do that. But the foundation that I have of your complete forgiveness because of the cross, complete righteousness because of the resurrection, those pillars will never change. You'll never convince me of that otherwise, okay? All right. So let's get to today's walk talk. Three lies about Satan. Everybody loves to talk about Satan. <laughs> We got people in the extremely out of control group. They really like talking about Satan. I mean, he is like the focus of their ministry. Rarely will you even hear about Jesus. It is just demon focused. It's like 
De looking for a demon under every bush, under every rock, and Satan is the primary focus of their ministry, not Jesus. And then we have the other side, where it's the extremely dry group, the extremely, you know, um, bomb shelter Christians, where you better get in here and get away from everybody type of deal, and it's very, very um, ironed out with the starch. They also focus on Satan, and you rarely hear about Jesus. But they talk about everybody outside that bomb shelter as being led by Satan, have the, the spirit of Satan, you know. Everything is so splatter-blasted with crap in regard to Satan. You never hear about Jesus. This is why I don't really like to even do a walk talk on Satan, but I get so much feedback in my comments, in my inbox about the devil. So today I'm going to do a walk talk on three lies about Satan. It might help you. It might help you take your focus off of this defeated foe and put it back on Jesus. That's what I want. Okay. Because Satan has no power over a Christian. And we're going to get to that today. So three lies about Satan. So before I begin with the three lies, I want to, let's talk about who Satan is. Because he gets a lot of, a lot of publicity. And more than he should, ultimately. First of all, is Satan real? Absolutely. The devil's real. We have some people, even claiming to be Christians, who say Satan is not real. Satan is, is made up. But Satan is real. He, they will also say demons are not real. Demons are made up. But demons are real. So where'd they come from? So there's not a whole lot of information on the background of Satan and his demons. Probably the most comprehensive section of scripture that we have about where they came from, who they are, is in the symbolic letter of Revelation. So we see in Revelation 12, we see that Satan and his angels were hurled to earth from heaven. Satan and his angels. So Satan used to have a relationship with God. Satan used to be in heaven. So did Satan's angels. Okay, so I don't want to even get into this passage because Revelation 12, all of Revelation is written symbolically. So I do not do any type of deep commentary on the book of Revelation because everything written in the book of Revelation is written symbolically for a reason. That's why John starts out the letter stating it is a vision. Therefore, if something is a vision, we are to read it as a vision. Just because it's a vision... And it's symbolic. Does that mean it's not true? No, it means it's still true, but we are supposed to read these things in that manner. It is the only New Testament letter written as a vision. So when we go to the book of Revelation chapter 12 and we attempt to create a timeline or say exactly what happened, we would be opposing our view, superimposing our view onto the Bible rather than just letting the Bible be symbolic for this section of scripture and then just go with that. So that's what I do. In Revelation 12, we see Satan and his demons were hurled to earth. Something happened. They were rejected from their relationship with God in heaven 
and they were hurled to earth. Okay. Jesus even talked about this in Luke chapter 10. He said, I saw Satan fall from heaven to earth like lightning. So Jesus even saw Satan and his demons get hurled from heaven. I don't know what happened. Okay. You can read it. You can attempt to piece it together. I've done it. I was going to do that today and actually quote it all out. But, you know, I got done reading. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to say something happened. (laughs) They got kicked out of heaven. Satan and his demons were hurled to earth. Okay. That's where they came from. So they're real. They're not symbolic. Okay, we see, we even see Satan the first time that the enemy is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 3. Okay, um, it is a prophecy actually when Moses wrote Genesis chapter 3 and he said, The woman's offspring will crush the snake's head. Who is the woman's offspring? It's going to be Jesus. So we got the Son of Man, who is also the Son of God, because God had given dominion or power over everything physical to humanity therefore when humanity screwed all this up humanity had to fix it therefore god became a woman uh, became a man became a woman became a man born from a woman okay so that and then we also see satan mentioned um just a handful of time i think 10 to 15 times in the old testament not many most of the times Satan is mentioned in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Job. (laughs) And here's another thing. When we get into the book of Job, anytime I get into this topic about how Satan is defeated, and we're going to go into great detail about that today. So many people want to go back into the book of Job and say, look right here. God allowed Satan to do this to Job. God allowed Satan to take all his stuff away. God allowed Satan to put all these sores all over his body. God allowed all this bad stuff to happen, but God didn't allow him to die. So God's doing this for you. He's allowing Satan to take your job away, to to make you sick, to cause you harm. That would be erroneous because when we look at the book of Job, Job was a Jew. Job lived when Satan still had some power. Job longed for what we have because of what Jesus has done. So we cannot compare the power Satan had back then to the power, to the lack of power Satan has because of what Christ has done at the cross. Okay, so, and when we look at the book of Job, we see what Satan does. You know, <laughs> he, he roams the earth back and forth, roams the earth. Okay. Now let's be clear about Satan. Satan is not like God where he is everywhere at once. So those sinful thoughts you get might not be from Satan. It could be a suggestion. Sure, it could be Satan, but we don't know where he is at at any specific time because he is one being. It could be a demon also suggesting something. They cannot read your thoughts, but they have studied you. They have studied humanity since the beginning of time and they can offer up a thought to you. Okay. So it could be Satan. It could be a demon. It might not even be them. So we have to also get our theology in order of every bad thought I have is not coming from the enemy. Every bad thought I have is not coming from a demon. It could also be coming from the power of sin. 
okay? The power. I know most people have not heard this because they're not taught this. There is a force like everywhere on planet Earth and it's called hamartia. The Greek word is hamartia and it is sin. And we see the first time sin mentioned in the book of Revelation. When Adam and Eve no longer believed God, sin entered this realm. Okay, sin causes everything to die, to... Hang on, guys. It's all right. I'm almost gone. Give me, just give me some time. Hang on. I'm, I'm live on Instagram. Give me a break. <laughs> okay, I'm almost out of your sight. You're good. All right, so the joys of live Instagram episodes, huh? We got barking dogs. Yesterday, I tripped over a bird. <laughs> And of course, we got neighbors walking, but I have really friendly neighbors. Good morning, sir. How are you? What's that? This is a, this is the third time we've crossed paths, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> have a great day. <laughs> All right. So back to the topic at hand. <laughs> Oh, life is good. It is a lovely Friday here. The weather's great. I mean, the weather's really good. I want to say it's maybe 75, 80 degrees. It's not windy. It's going to be a good, good day. All right. So back to the walk talk. <laughs> I'm not going to go walk by his yard anymore today because I have this little loop that I do when I do these walk talks. You guys have been watching these for a long time. You could probably tell with the background, but I've got this little loop that I walk and then I turn and then I walk and then I turn and then that dog right there, he used to not be outside so much. You know, they've had him for a while. But um, anyway, now we've got some peace. We can hear the locusts, the cicadas. Love the sound. Okay, so hamartia. When you have a thought, a sinful thought, a negative thought, it could very well be the power of sin. Not Satan, not his demon, but the power of sin, hamartia. Okay, because the power of sin is still in your physical body. It is in your members. But you have died to the power of sin. And again, the power of sin entered this realm and Adam and Eve stopped believing God. That was the first original sin. They wanted the knowledge of good and evil. Therefore, they stopped believing the fact that there was something that they lacked. That was the first temptation of Satan. If you do this, you will be more like God. And we see that today. That's a whole nother walk talk. But this force entered this realm called hamartia. Hamartia will give you every thought that is contrary to the spirit. Hamartia causes everything to die, everything to age, everything to uh, decay. Okay, this is why through one man, through the disobedience of one man, all die. Okay, but through the obedience of one man, all live. Romans chapter 5. So because of Adam, hamartia is in our physical members. Now, we are not sinful. We are not sin. Sin is in our physical body, 
but sin is not us. And until we shed this physical shell, which does have sin in it, even though the shell is not sinful, it is a parasite, so to speak. It is in you, but it is not you. It can still offer you sinful thoughts. So it could be that. It could be the power of sin. It could also be the flesh. Now, the flesh is not your flesh. When you see the word the in front of flesh in the Bible, that is never describing your physical body. Flesh is, but not the flesh. Our modern church has these confused because they see the words the flesh. And anytime you see the words the flesh in scripture, we think something negative. Therefore, or we read something negative. Therefore, we think, oh, that's talking about my body, my flesh. But the flesh, T-H-E in front of flesh. The original Greek word is sarx, S-A-R-X. That word does not mean your physical body. That word does not mean sinful. That word does not mean nature. It simply means the flesh. There is no English translation to unpack that word properly. Some of my trusted colleagues say it is worldly ways of getting your needs met so you can walk according to the flesh, but you are still not the flesh. It is doing something that's not natural to you. You know, for me, and I don't disagree with that, Okay, I, I agree. For me, I even say it is the power of sin, hamartia, expressing itself through our actions and attitudes, even in our brain, therefore giving us a sinful thought. Okay, let's get back on track here. So when you have a sinful thought, that doesn't always mean it's coming from Satan, a demon. It could also be coming from hamartia, it could also be coming from the flesh, or it could be coming from your trained conscience. Your conscience does not dictate truth. Your conscience can be trained by truth or error. When your conscience is trained by anything, you begin to believe it, therefore you feel it. Feel it. So this is why it's so important to be transformed by the renewing of your mind by getting new information that lines up with the truth of your complete forgiveness, your complete righteousness, everything about Jesus, everything who you are, everything about the good news of the gospel, everything about grace. So your consciences can be seared with error. Okay? So if you, you know, Paul even talked about this, you know, when he was describing meat sacrifice to idols. So <laughs> in that culture, meat was sacrificed to idols and then people would eat it based on their faith in that idol. So Paul said, don't eat the meat sacrificed to idols. For example, if, if I'm living in Corinth and I go over to my neighbor Bob's house here, and he, I know he's not a believer. He knows I'm a believer. He just sacrificed this meat to his idol here on his back porch. And then he grilled it up and put it on a plate. And we both sat down together and he said, oh, by the way, Matt, this meat right here was sacrificed to this God. Okay. His conscience is seared because he thinks somehow this meat was sacrificed to this fake God. Okay. Paul says, just don't eat it. You know that you can eat that piece of meat just fine and it'd probably be pretty tasty. 
But because his faith is weak, his conscience is seared, not yours, just don't eat it. So it's, it's another way of saying be sensitive to the consciences of others because we don't all know the same thing. We're all learning and growing just the same, but your conscience can also be trained in error. Okay, so these thoughts that we get is not coming from Satan in you. You know, some, some people are like, oh, I got, I got a demon in me. I got Satan in me. I just got to get it cast out. And I'm going to get into that. As a Christian, that's not the truth. Okay. What else about Satan? Satan, so he roams the earth back and forth. He was hurled to earth with his angels who are now called demons. Jesus witnessed this happen when he saw Satan uh, come to earth like a bolt of lightning. Paul said he can appear as an angel of light. What does that tell you? (laughs) He's not necessarily, you know, a red guy with horns and a pitchfork. The enemy can appear as an angel of light. Okay. Um, He's a deceiver. He's an accuser. Okay. Now, so he's real. All right. So let's go ahead and get to the three errors, the three lies. I was going to say errors, but today I'm just calling them lies. I don't like saying lies. I don't like saying, well, that's a lie. I like to say error because it's a little bit more gentle, but this is my walk talk. So, t- <laughs> so today I'm going to say three lies about Satan. So the first lie is Satan can possess a Christian. This is one of the most taught doctrines out there that a, a an individual who has believed in Jesus by grace once in their lifetime can still have Satan possess them as in be inside of their body. So if we go to the Bible and we look at all of scripture on this side of the cross, how many times is that mentioned? It it should be there a lot, right? We should see some type of directive to be sure that we protect ourselves from being entered by Satan or his demons, that we should always be on guard to fight against demonic authorities from entering our bodies. Not one time do we see it. We see no direction from any apostle anywhere in any New Testament letter about protecting ourselves from being possessed by Satan. Why is this? Because on this side of the cross, a believer cannot be possessed by a demon or Satan. Before the cross, yes. After the cross, no. Now in Mark 9 and Mark 16, and Mark 16 is after the cross, we do see some um, demon casting text. We also see this can only be, uh, this can only happen through fasting to cast out that demon. Earlier transcripts have been found of the original manuscripts. That text is not there. Therefore, that was added later. So it's been removed from the most updated translation. Remember, the older the transcripts, the more accurate to the original handwritten manuscripts. So the section of scripture that a lot of people will go back to in Mark 9, which is before the cross, Mark 16, it's after the cross, where it looks as if there's some directive to cast out demons... It's not there. But even if it is there, there's no indication that this is to be done on a Christian. (laughs) Okay, now before the cross, 
Satan still had power. Before the cross, Satan could still enter a believer and unbeliever. We even see this mentioned when a demon is cast out, he comes back and sees that the place is clean and he moves in with more demons. Okay, but we don't see that on this side of the cross. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. Again, Genesis chapter 3, the offspring will crush the snake's head. Okay, so what happened at the cross? That. <laughs> 1 John 3, 8 says, The reason why Jesus came to earth was to destroy the work of the devil. Did Jesus come to earth? Yep. He has destroyed the work of the devil. Okay. 1 John 5 says, the evil one cannot touch you. Therefore, they cannot possess you. Why is this? What is the big deal with this? Why does Colossians 2.15 also match up with this so well? Colossians 2.15 says, Satan and his demons, the demonic realm, was disarmed at the cross. It actually says Jesus made a public spectacle of them. Why? Because everything sinful about planet Earth was on Jesus. And that is what Satan and his demons emphasize. Your sin. Look at you. Or sin's fun, isn't it? Let's go do that. Sin's not fun for a Christian. And sin never matches up with a Christian because we are righteous. We are holy. We are blameless. But a, a, a demon or Satan, the first lie is... They cannot possess you. You are already possessed by the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, before Jesus went to the cross, nobody had the ability to have a permanent possession of the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit on people, with people. He would join them for divine acts and then leave. Why? Because they still had a sinful, wicked, deceitful heart. But when Jesus went to the cross, he absorbed all of your sins. Okay, but not only that, Romans 6 says, your old self died. So you were in Jesus supernaturally. Everything wicked and sinful about you died on the cross with Jesus. Buried in the tomb with Jesus. And then you were united with him, Romans 6. So you are a brand new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Had you not been a new creation, Jesus could not permanently make his home in you, but you had to die. So I, Galatians uh, 2, 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. But it's not just I have been crucified with Christ as in the old I. There's a new I, the life I now live. So Paul talks about his old sinful self and then the new sinless self. Yes, sinless. You are a new creation. Because of what happened to you at the cross, you were forgiven, but then the resurrection caused you to become a brand new creation. 1 John 3, 7 says you have a practice of righteousness now. That is your natural practice. So you don't even want to sin. You know, so many people preach from the pulpit, sin is fun for a season. No, it's not. It's not fun even for a season. It is not natural for us at all. So if we are believing the lie that sinning is fun, that is erroneous teaching. It's not fun even for a season. 
for the Jews, according to some of the Psalms and the Proverbs, their sinning for a season would be not obeying the commandments given by Moses. Sinning is never fun for us. That's why no matter how long we do it, no matter how much we do it, no matter anything that has to do with sin, it's always like, it's like a buzzer. You know, we can feel it. And sometimes it's like, and we just feel that for so long, we ignore it. But then when we finally, we're like, oh, this is so much better. Because we were believing the lie that that sin was fun, but it wasn't. Why? Because we're righteous. Because we have a new self, a new spirit. We are new, brand new creations. We are holy saints who sometimes sin. We are not nasty sinners who sometimes saint. That's what a Pharisee was. A sinner, according to Jesus, is somebody who does not believe God. A sinner is not something that you do. A sinner is what you are or what you aren't. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint saved by grace. You used to be a sinner. Saying you're a sinner saved by grace is saying your old self didn't die. But the Bible says otherwise. So we got to go back to the Bible. Okay, so when your old self died and you received this new heart, this new spirit, Jesus joined you. What happened when that happened? You became possessed. I'm a possessed man. You know, you're possessed. I'm possessed. You're possessed. Okay? Sounds weird, but the Holy Spirit is in you. I'm possessed right now. Yeah, you're you're you are so possessed, McMillan. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm possessed. I 1 Corinthians 6:17 says, "I am one spirit with the Lord." So when I believed, my old self died, new self, and then shunk, new spirit, shunk, Holy Spirit, here I am, reborn. Don't be surprised when I say you must be born again, and I have been born again. You know, Peter said, it is God who causes you to be reborn through the resurrection. So I believed, and then I was crucified, buried, and then resurrected, reborn at the same time, and then Possessed by Jesus. Now, do you think Jesus would share my body with Satan? No, he's not going to. First <laughs> Corinthians 6, 19 says, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You think Jesus is going to be like, hey, what's up, Satan? You hanging out in this temple with me today? Hey. No. There, the only, there's, only, <laughs> there's only two in us. Well, there's four, actually. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And me. Everywhere I go, there's four of us. (laughs) But Satan does not possess me. Satan cannot touch me. Satan, his ability to do such a thing was finalized at the cross. Okay, so what are we to make of demon casting ministries? (laughs) This is a bit... This is one of the number one comments I get anytime I talk about this. What are, what are you to say? I, you know, I, I see them just flailing on the floor and sh- 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 shrieking and screaming and, you know, and then they, they barf and, and then, uh, then they got to come back the next week for another dose of another casting. It's not in the Bible. There's a lot of strange things that have been created by tradition of men. There's a lot of strange things 
that people see it so often by so many people, even people they love, they trust, people they grow up with, that they think this is the truth. But then they finally realize this is not in the Bible. We see none of this since Satan was defeated. Anywhere. Don't you think John, Peter, Paul, you know, every New Testament letter would have some type of indication of somebody doing that. But it's not there. So it is tradition of men. And sometimes we have a fine way of setting aside the truth about God for traditions of men. And we just have to understand, okay, they're just, that's, that's just learned behavior. Monkey see, monkey do. Mama did it. Grandma did it. Papa did it. Daddy does it. Whatever. But just because it's passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation does not mean it's true based on scripture. So if we go back to scripture, we look for this, this, this action of people having demons cast out of them. It's not in the Bible. Before the cross, yes, yes. But something happened at the cross. So all that stuff back there before the cross, Christ happened. This is why we make such a big deal out of Jesus. That's why Colossians 2.15 says they were disarmed. They were not disarmed before the cross. They could do that stuff to Job. They could do that stuff to those people. Not now. So if at any point in your life you have trusted Jesus by grace, you have accessed everything in regard to the power of Christ. You have him living in you. He will never share you with a demon. It's not possible. And as a matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 1 says, you have been sealed up with the Spirit. Zip! Sealed up. You know, I always say, zip. There, nobody will break that seal. Not a demon. Not your sinning. Not where you go. Not what you do. How could it? The only way it could is if it overrode what happened at the cross. Is it more powerful than what happened at the cross? The answer is no. Therefore, you have to deal with the fact that action does not define whether or not I'm possessed by a demon. So Satan cannot possess a Christian. One other thing in regard to this topic before I go on to number two. Sleep paralysis is not demonic possession. That is another top comment I get anytime I talk about this. Oh, well, I've experienced it. I woke up and I couldn't move. That's not a demon possessing you. Okay. Sleep paralysis comes from your brain when you go into a state of REM sleep. When you go, when you're, when you sleep, your brain switches over to REM. When that happens, your body goes into a state of paralysis. When you go into a state of paralysis, your body is keeping you from acting out your dreams. This is why, you know, you're, you're dreaming and then you jump because you were paused. <laughs> okay. Or when you're trying to fall asleep, you jump because you get out. It's your body about to fall into that REM state of sleep, but then you go, nope, I'm not going into that REM state of sleep. 
So sometimes you wake up and you're still in that REM sleep. That is not a demon. So you can rest assured, you can sleep. The next time you have any type of sleep paralysis, that's not a demon. Okay. If you believe Jesus. <laughs> All right. Number two is Satan cannot physically harm a Christian. Again, this goes back to everything Jesus has done at the cross. So many people think Satan can physically harm me either with a disease, with cancer, or hurt you physically, like get in a fight with you. They cannot do that. If they could do that, that would mean what Jesus did at the cross was insufficient. That would mean what Paul told the Corinthians, excuse me, what Paul told the Colossians and what Paul and what John wrote in the book of first John would be erroneous because they were disarmed at the cross. The evil one cannot touch you. The reason why Jesus came to earth was to destroy the work of the devil. So when you get cancer, God forbid, when you get sick, God forbid, but Satan has no ability to do that to you, to cause you any physical harm. They can't even touch you. You know, some people say, well, I've gotten in a fight with the devil and a demon. <laughs> I cannot base my theology on your experience. If that's the case, either you're, you're incorrect or you've never believed. It's one of the two. Because according to scripture, the enemy cannot touch you. Therefore, number two, Satan cannot physically harm a Christian in any way. So when you're, when you're praying over the cancer to go away, when you're praying over this disease to go away, or when you're laying in your bed afraid at night and you are just petrified because you think you're going to be physically attacked by Satan or a demon, you don't have to focus on them at all because they cannot touch you. You have power over all of them. And if you do have a demon in your midst or if Satan's in your midst, you have power over them through the name of Jesus. We see this in the gospels. Just use the name of Jesus. I seen a TikTok the other day. This guy was sitting in his trailer and he started recording. He's like, oh my gosh, guys, this door just slammed. And he started recording the door. And he's like, I don't know what it was, but something's in here. And now the door is moving. And then, you know, the door started moving again. I was like, yeah, this might be set up. But I could kind of tell from the guy's voice, he was really scared. And then he's like, if you're in here in the name of Jesus, I, I command you to leave. And then the door slammed and then it stopped. Use the name of Jesus. So here we have somebody, whether he's a believer or not, using the name of Jesus. You can do that. There were unbelievers casting out demons in the gospels. Yes. And Jesus told the disciples, just leave them alone. Let them do that. So you can use the name of Jesus. They have no power over you. Which is going to set me up for number three. The third lie is Satan has power. Satan has absolutely no power whatsoever. 
We give him so much credit. We give him so much attention. But yet, according to the Bible, he has no power. Again, Colossians says he was disarmed at the cross. 1 John says the reason why Jesus came to earth was to destroy his work. Had Satan known what was going to happen when Messiah was killed, he probably would have been trying to stop it. Who knows? But he crushed the head of the enemy. Again, this was prophesied about in Genesis chapter 3. The woman's offspring will crush the snake's head. That happened. He has no power. He, Satan, Satan is like the, the old man behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz. You know, we've got this, this group of friends and they're just, they're scared of this, the Wizard of Oz. Oh my gosh. And then they get behind the curtain and they see this old man pressing buttons and making noises. That's Satan. No power. He is an old barking dog, toothless, on a chain, behind a fence, right there, barking at you. Stomp at him. Who the heck do you think you are? Ain't nothing. Never be, never be scared of him. Never be afraid. You know what? I am not going down that road today. I just had a thought. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I am going to touch on that for just a moment. There are certain brands of Christianity where they think only certain people need to come into the house in order to get rid of the demons. And then they'll use a certain item in order to achieve this. That's not in the Bible. The power is here, here, in me. In you, you have so much power over everything demonic. You don't need to call anybody in with a little bitty collar on. You don't need to call, you know, pastor so-and-so to come in and put oil over your, your doorposts. You have the power. You have Christ in you and through you. No demon has any power over you. Satan has no power over you. Defeated. And when they accuse you, that is the only power that they have. That's why Revelation chapter 12 says he is the accuser of the brethren. That's the only power he has is to accuse you. Him and his demons, they accuse you. You ain't completely forgiven. Jesus ain't the Messiah. Oh, he was just a wise teacher. He never came back from the dead. You're going to believe that? Oh, you're stupid. Oh, we're still talking about this. You need to use logic. Idiots believe stuff like that. There's no way the blood of Jesus is more powerful than all of those sin, sins. There's no way what you were doing is covered by what Jesus has done. There's no way. You're doing it too much. You're doing it too often. There's no way he would take this away. There's no way. He has completely left you. You've looked at that stuff too much. You've done too much of that stuff. You've gone to that place too much. You. Accusations. That's it. He is the accuser of the brethren. He will lie to you about you. He will lie to you about what happened at the cross. He will use scare tactics by slamming your door in your trailer. 
He will use scare tactics by stomping up and down your stairs. And then he'll say, see, because you're committing adultery right now, these demons are all in your house and they're going to get you. See, because you're looking at that porn right now, all these demons are just in every room. You better not go to sleep tonight. So then he uses your mistakes as threats of how they're going to stay and how you're just, you're defeated. There's no hope for you. You have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. All lies, all lies. He is the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says he accuses us day and night. But you can correct the thoughts. <laughs> you can say, shut up. Or you can just ignore it. I just ignore it most of the time. You know, <laughs> if you just, these, these Satan-focused, demon-focused ministries, they're just always talking. God love my grandma. <laughs> she would cast a demon out of a vacuum. <laughs> she would cast a demon out of a vehicle. She would cast a demon out of everything. And I, you know, God love her. And uh, I grew up under that stuff. But we don't have to do that. You know, if, if grandma was here right now and I knew this and I would say, grandma, there's no demon in that vacuum. They're defeated. The cross worked. It was a huge success. <sighs> so no, Satan has no power. No power. None. Christ has the power. Where is Christ? You are one spirit with the Lord. You are possessed by the Holy Spirit. You are sealed up with the Holy Spirit. You are the righteousness of God in Christ and you're always in Christ. You have died and you are a new creation. You are righteous, holy, blameless. Everything good is about you. There's nothing sinful about you. You could sin 24-7, 365 and you would be doing something that is not natural to you, but it does not change your identity. And it does not allow Satan to have any foothold on you. He has no business in your life. He has no power over you. He cannot read your mind. He cannot enter you. He cannot touch you. He has no power. He is powerless because of Jesus. You can thank Christ. You can make a bigger deal of what happened at the cross. You can make a bigger deal of what happened at the resurrection. You can stand on the fact that this was prophesied about in Genesis 3, fulfilled at the cross, written about in Colossians, written about in 1 John. You know, Peter says he roams the earth like a roaring lion. 1 Peter 5.8. Like. As if. So when people are like, oh, don't let him get you. He'll devour you. No, he won't. Like, as if. And Peter was called Satan by Jesus. How would you like that? You know, there's a certain flavor of Christianity that their entire structure is built on Peter. Jesus called him Satan. Now, was he Satan? No. Was Satan in him? I don't know. Satan could still enter people before he went to the cross. So I don't know. Maybe it was just the... A really, <laughs> a really good burn flamed him hard. But, you know, here's Peter. He got called Satan. But then he says in his letter, first Peter, the devil prowls around as if he's a roaring lion, like a roaring lion. But that's not what he is. He's an idiot. He's not smart. He's not cunning. He's not crafty. He's nothing. 
Stop giving him so much credit. Please. You are so powerful, Christian. And if you knew how powerful you were, you would never make a big deal out of Satan. You would rarely even talk about him. You would put him in his place. You would know. He, the devil didn't cause this for me. And God didn't cause this either. This is happening because I live on planet Earth. So I'm going to stop blaming everything on the devil. I'm going to stop blaming everything on God. And I'm just going to realize. Thank God this is temporary. <laughs> thank God there's another life with God. Where Satan's going to be gone. His demons are going to be gone. The power of sin is going to be gone. All sinners are going to be gone. And it's just going to be a wonderful place. So, so I hope this has encouraged you today. <laughs> I hope it's brought to light some lies about Satan. And I hope it's giving you some confidence. Because you should be confident, Christian. Why? Because you should always tell the truth about yourself. <laughs> Why? Because you're righteous, because you're holy, because you're blameless, because you're a new creation, because you're a child of God, because there's nothing wrong with you, and because you are awesome. So always tell the truth about yourself, guys, and always be yourself. Love y'all. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.